0: Afraid I've got some bad news. I know it. I love what he does that. They won't even admit these fucking people, they're like Trumpers. They're so fucking far up the ass, and they're so delusional, and they just can't admit that they were wrong, and they've been horn swoggled and taken for suckers and taken for a ride all along. There's people trying to say, well, it was entertaining. No, not in any way, shape, or form. It was insulting to wrestling it diminished your capacity to do future business by not only making jericho look even more stupid than he's already made himself look over the past several months but now you've got mjf with shit all over his face too if you found entertainment in this you might be one of those people that likes to have their fucking balls nailed to a step stool and i i don't know what to think about anybody anymore, but I will be less free and easy as I have been with my endorsements and accolades or allocades from this point forward. What the, f- just because Jericho, I'm sure Jericho thought of this just because he thought, well, oh, it would be funny. Just take your dick out, Chris, and just jack off on Tony Khan's face while he's there because you've just raped him and ripped him off of all this other money he spent on this fucking company that started out looking like you were going to carry it and now is looking like you're going to sink it. He likes this just as much as these idiots like doing it. That's what I'm saying. While he's while he's at this, take his dick out of his pants, jack off on Tony Khan's face and splooge in his eye. You're showing him, even if he's too stupid and immature and and inexperienced and lost in the weeds as a goddamn wrestling observer mark instead of a fan of wrestling that he can't see, that he can't book, and he's wasting his father's money and that this is all a goddamn variety of horseshit that's going to lead to nothing but wrestling never getting on national cable again for the next 20 years. Just because he can't realize that doesn't mean that Chris Jericho, who knows better, has to fucking splooge in his face waste his money and fucking make fun of his own fucking product at the same time while he's doing it. I feel sorry for Tony Khan when shit like this comes up on his television program. I don't feel sorry for him at all. He's running his wrestling company the same way he runs his dad's football team and soccer team. It's just that wrestling fans, the super niche audience are more forgiving because they like some of this stupid stuff. This is all Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho has some of the <sighs> stupidest instincts in terms of entertainment of anyone in the history of the wrestling business. And his 2020 has been an embarrassment. And he remember, remember when I said last year that this is the Jericho show and he's the star here and he will carry this and get it over if it's going to be got over? <laughs>
1: ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 229 of the Hoots Podcast Hope you guys are having a wonderful week so far It's happy Halloween week I'm chilling here right now on a Thursday afternoon It's October 29th How ironic, how apropos for this week's show, right? (laughs) Uh, Hope everybody's having a good week it is just truly the nefarious brother Adam. You can follow me at Twitter at uh, the Hoots Podcast. I'm also on Instagram, Joshi Lopez94. That's J O S H I E Lopez94. And I also have a music page on Instagram if you'd like to see me do some cool guitar covers. It's called Josh Lopez Music. I'm trying to put this week into proper context because we got. A lot to talk about this week, and I really don't know how we follow up last week's edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW, but we'll give it a try this week. It may be more tamed, but you never know. <laughs> um, what the Hell is Wrong with AEW has really been gaining a lot of momentum and steam on social media over the last couple weeks, especially on Twitter, and I really do appreciate the feedback you guys give for that segment uh, it was never really a goal myself for Brett Carter to have a weekly segment where we actually just point out what's actually happening with AEW as opposed to what the wrestling media tells you. But, uh, th- that's the thing with the Hoots podcast. We, uh, we hold nothing back. Uh, we speak for the heart. We're not looking to fit in with people. Uh, we let our work speak for ourselves. And, um, we call a spade spade. At the same time, I want to, I want to remind everybody that this podcast it's about embracing and joining the full aspect of the entire pro wrestling business. Uh, none of the rants I've ever done about AEW has been about booking. It's been strictly about in-ring content and just the product as a whole. And um, yeah, we'll have a new we'll have a new segment for you. We're, it's not going away. <laughs> uh, I always uh, the the eternal um, optimist in me. It's always holding out hope that we come in here and like, hey, we got nothing to really rag on at AEW, but hey, AEW's good AEW, right? Um, If this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you so much for giving this podcast a chance. All I ask is for you guys to subscribe to the podcast right now so you never miss an episode. It comes to you free of charge on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, anywhere you get your podcasts from. And especially for those who would like to help us expand the reach of the podcast Please, if you could, especially those who use Apple Podcasts, leave us a four or five star review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you like about the podcast. Tell us your favorite part of this podcast. Is it What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? Is it the Dawson Derricko? Is it just the general podcast as a whole? Uh, do you like the intro clips that I put together in the beginning? Uh, let us know what you like or even dislike. What could we improve on? I'm always open to suggestions and feedback when it comes to the Hoots podcast. And it's not just my podcast. It's Brother Carter's podcast. It's all the good brothers and sisters, especially you, who listen to the podcast each and every single week. It's your podcast. And I'm here to provide a entertaining, positive escape from a lot of the nonsense that we're dealing with in our daily lives. And I know things are going to get very... Intense and anxiety ridden in the next week or so with the election around the corner But um, I made made a promise to myself uh, during this election season that I was not going to really get into the whole politics Like you know I had a question a couple weeks ago about uh, police form and should the police uh, be defunded or whatever But I'll say that I really did not want to have this podcast really dig on the election I did that uh in the beginning in 2016 when we first started this podcast and uh it just wasn't fun. This is a life podcast. It's also a wrestling podcast too. So I'm sure you guys had your fill of the election. Uh all I'll say is that make sure to vote. Let your voice be heard and leave it at that. So we're not gonna come in uh opine about politics on this show. We just don't have the time or energy for that. Um one last piece of business To plug really quick Make sure to bookmark com. That's my baby That's my website where I transcribe Basically every uh, Domestically based US television show Whether it's WWE, AEW Or Impact Wrestling um, Also I jot down What happens on NXT UK uh, Also cover all the events For New Japan Pro Wrestling as well And Make sure to check out prowrestlingtransfers dot com. This week has been very interesting, uh, wrestling wise. We've had we had two pay per views. We had a special television show last night on USA Network, uh dubbed Halloween Havoc. And this week of wrestling has just been <laughs> very interesting in a lot of different ways. I I put this post on Facebook this morning that you know. Being a transcriber, you know, there's things to look out for when it comes to wrestling match. Some things you may not expect, Maybe a promo segment that doesn't make sense. Maybe a sequence that doesn't make sense. Or just AEW tag team matches that are all over the place like a labyrinth puzzle. Um, But, no, a labyrinth maze. Like, like, honestly, this week, I've seen people get slammed into a pile of candy corn thumbtacks that came out of a bag. I've seen Dungeons and Dragons dice speed spilled around the ring in another no DQ match. I saw a wrestling show on YouTube that was two and a half hours long with fifteen matches. I seen Scream come back. Hey folks, it's the late nineties again. Scream is back into tagging people on NXT last night. Then, of course, we had the Haunted House of Terror. And this, all hell's break loose. Look, I know it's Halloween this week, but hell, man, when you're trying to like focus on trying to get moves right and um making these sequences look good on uh, on the website and the transcription and making and trying to do justice with the performers and the stories they're trying to tell in the ring, and then you're seeing this stuff, and then I can't forget we had a we had a wedding on Impact Wrestling this week, an undead wedding that ended with somebody getting shot. So. <laughs> Welcome to the wacky world of professional wrestling in uh, 2020, man. So, uh, with that being said, I don't think we could go lower than Ladina did a crap that we saw last week. So, I think we're making progress. So, <laughs> let's have some fun, alright? Let's start this bad boy off with the good brother... Uh, Q&A session as we do each and every single week If you like to send your truly a question All you have to do is either Tweet me at The Hoots Podcast Or email me Podcast at gmail.com And we're going to start off With who we always start off with this segment The good brother Chris Zaletta Make sure to follow him on the Twitters At X Team Zaletta24X He is a good brother of all good brothers uh, Here is Chris's um, list of questions this week. He says, "What's up, Us? Here's some questions for the show this week. Number one, does Roman need the Bloodline stable? Me personally, I don't think he does. Let him be his own man. Uh, I don't think Roman Reigns needs a stable. Uh, I know a lot of people have fantasy booked the fact that you could have the Usos and Roman Reigns, and you could have this second coming of the." Samoan SWAT team or The Dangerous Alliance and I'm sure maybe Roman in some way would want to have That group with him but I I Think Roman Reigns is being the Tribal chief of pro wrestling and Everybody being beneath him Is what we should focus on right now And look there may be a possibility That the Usos are working with him I'm not saying it wouldn't work Uh, For me I just don't think that Roman needs a stable to uh, just by his positioning right now as the universal champion, and I, I always tell people this: let's let's go through this week by week. Let's not try to jump into scenarios where we're gonna end up being disappointed. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, next question: Should Thunder Rosa remain with AEW or go to NXT slash WWE? Um, I think Thunder Rosa should go to WWE because WWE gives. Women time in the ring and focus on their shows, so I'll say WWE. Okay, here you go. Here's the next one: World Rumble winners for both men's and women's for 2021. Oh boy! One of my answers is going to surprise everybody, especially those who listen to the podcast each and every single week. For the women, I'm going with Bailey to win the World Rumble match. Now for the men. Where do we go? Who's the champion at the time? Is Rainier still the WWE champion? Is Roman the WWE champion? Is this pandemic over? There's a lot of things <laughs> to think about. There's a lot of different options to go here. For me personally, I would like to see Kevin Owens win the Royal Rumble. But internally, and what I think would happen is that Edge comes back and wins the Royal Rumble match. So that's my predi- my prediction, yes. Alright, top guy in XT currently. Uh, for me, I don't know if I would say top guy, but just my personal favorite, the guy I look forward to watching and covering the most on XT is uh, Damian Priest. Not just because he's a brick and but it counts. Uh, Damian Priest is the fucking man. Uh, he's awesome. What do you think of the WWF versus WCW slash ECW angle back in 2001? You know what, guys? This is the first time I've ever had a chance to talk about the invasion angle, the infamous invasion angle that didn't pan out the way everybody wanted it to back during the Attitude Era, pal. Alright, Chris, this is my thoughts on the invasion angle. I was seven years old at the time. This is when I was really, really getting into wrestling, right at the beginning stage. I started watching it in '98, but like this is the time period where I was starting to process what was actually happening on these shows, and this was the biggest deal, right? Like you, WCW just folded. WWE purchased the the licensing and everything of WCW and ECW. Um, you know, the selfish performers decided to uh, cling on to their contracts instead of going to the WWE. Eventually, Goldberg and the NWO showed up. And we would all know what happened with the Evasion Eagle. I liked it for the most part. I'll tell you this. The the, the finale, the, like, the Survivor Series match that closed the Evasion Eagle, I thought it was one of my favorite Survivor Series matches of all time. Uh, the one from 2001 is still Out there, one of my favorite Survivor Series matches The evasion pay-per-view Itself is a really good pay-per-view If you guys haven't seen it, go check it out On the WWE Network You you truly won't <laughs> regret Checking that one out I Obviously it's had its flaws And missed opportunities Also there's been reasons That were out of WWE's control I felt a little bit on and off with the whole Stone Cold Steve Austin where he's going to be with WCW with e- slash ECW even though Steve got fired by WCW. And it was just... I I think the fact that the Stone Cold heel turn didn't work out to everybody's imagination. that That's probably one of the main reasons why the invasion angle just didn't click for what it was. And that's not... A, a slight on Steve um, Yeah, everybody says that Stone Cold Steve Austin Is the greatest superstar of all time I may disagree with that But uh, I think Stone Cold Turning heel, just that decision And people still trying To cheer for him and not knowing where What, what was going to happen I think that also played a big part of the evasion angle uh, falling flat as opposed to just, oh, Eric Bischoff and Sting and Goldberg and the NWO weren't here, so it wasn't really the evasion angle. That was all of WWE's control. They they bought the company, the other other towns that signed the big contracts to Turner, they decided to take the money, so <laughs> uh, what what would you do in that situation? Uh, make sure to check out that Survivor Series match That was fucking awesome um, Next question Which team do you hate the most in the NFC North? Uh, this is an easy one uh, This Because it has family ties as well uh, I, I can't stand the Packers I can't stand Packer fans uh, They come out They're pumping out their chest every single year Acting like they're the shit, Even though they haven't won a Super Bowl since 2010 Every year I have to hear about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers being the dangerous team Even uh, even after the fact that they continue to get embarrassed on the NFC uh, Championship stage Season after season after season after season It doesn't matter if it's the Giants, it doesn't matter if it's the Falcons It doesn't matter if it's the 49ers The Packers are overrated Their franchise is not overrated I don't take anything away from the, the success they had you know, it's a, they had a bribery of riches Of quarterbacks. And I respect Aaron Rodgers for what he does on the field, but as a person, he's a jackass. And secondly, I just don't care for their colors. Uh, if it wasn't for the Packers, nobody would get two shits about Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's a dump. I've been there before. It's just a pure and utter dump. So, honestly, that's the team that I hate the most. For me, I'm personally indifferent to the Detroit Lions and Minnesota Vikings. They like they can do whatever they want to do with it. Uh, but Pac- I think Packer fans are more annoying than just the Packer team. That's probably the most disdain I have uh, from my point of view. By the way, I got uncles from my mom's side of family and cousins that are Packer fans. So uh, they get a little mafia at times. <laughs> Favorite sports commentator slash play-by-play guy? Well, i always been a big fan of Jim Nance. Uh, I always like Jim Nance's um, calls on the NFL games. You know, I think Kevin Harlan's kind of an underrated NFL play-by-play guy. I know he has all the accolades from the NBA, but... Um, I think Kevin Harlan does a great job on NFL games as well. Uh, I always been a big Stacey King fan. Those who are fans of the Chicago Bulls that are listening to this podcast, you guys know who Stacey King is. Always been a fan of Neil Funk as well. So um, I can't be remiss without mentioning uh, Hawk Harrison. Um, I'm a huge Chicago White Sox fan, and uh, he's one of the greatest play-by-play guys of all time as well. And I, I can't forget... My favorite play-by-play guy in the city of Chicago of all time, Jeff Joniak. There you go. Hester, the 10, 5. David Hester, you are ridiculous. <laughs> so, Jeff, Jeff Joniak um, from WBBM is my favorite uh, play-by-play guy uh, in sports. All right, next question. Which championship looks worse, the 60-game season, Dodgers, World Series, or... The Miami Heat's Lockout Season Championship. Um, that's so hard to say because it's so new. By the way, congrats to the Dodgers and your, um, irresponsible asses, uh, for (laughs) winning the World Series and then celebrating with a guy who's positive at COVID-19 in live action. So, (laughs) um... I'll I i I'll be honest, guys. I did not care about the Miami Big Three era. I didn't. Uh, I'd never been a big fan of super teams. Uh, I just didn't care for that team. Yeah, it might solve for the fact that the Bulls weren't able to win the championship that season, even though they were the number one seed in Eastern Conference that lockout season. Yes, I'm bummed out about that, but still. Um You know, I'll I'll just probably say for the Dodgers, because, like, how irresponsible and ignorant ignorant can he be to actually have somebody play in a game-clinching game that's positive for COVID-19? I just, I don't get it, man. First place you travel to after this pandemic? Oh, man, that's a good question. (laughs) Okay, I have two places. The first one is Oviedo, Florida. And second place is Sacramento, so I could go see my sister. That would be my answer for that. All right? And then final question from uh, Chris. Uh, thank you for your questions again, bro. You always uh, deliver, man. Uh, go-to candy on Halloween. Uh, my go-to candy is two options. I'll go with either sweetest Fish or Kit Kat's. Those are my two favorites: Kit Kats or Swedish Fish. And also on the side, um, uh, Reese's Pieces, um, Halloween colors, obviously. Um, well, of course, that's <laughs> that's all Reese's Pieces look like. You, you guys get the you get the point. But um, yeah, my go-to candy is Swedish Fish or Kit Kats. So thank you again, Chris, for the questions. Uh, we're gonna transition to uh, questions from the good brother, uh, Nate the Great. You can follow him on Twitter at Psycho, Psycho Uh Nate the Great good, for, uh, good Brother since the Pipe Bomb days Here we go Do you think we'll ever see a tag team match Main Event Wrestlemania again Or Main Event Wrestle Kingdom I don't remember The last tag team match to Main Event of Wrestlemania I don't know if there ever there's ever been a tag team match Outside of the first one with uh, Hogan and Mr. T against Piper and Andre, uh, Piper and, uh, Cowboy Bob Morton. Um, oh, was it Piper and, um, Paul Orndorff? Uh, either way, I think it was one of those two combinations, but, um, Nate, I think that you could pull off a main event for Wrestle Kingdom, because now they're doing two nights every year for Wrestle Kingdom. Those shows are super long, man. Like, last year's Wrestle Kingdom took me 10 hours combined to cover both nights. So, both shows were like 4 hours each. But just with transcriptions and pausing and getting all the moves right, it took me 5 hours for each of those events. So, I think you could pull off better doing a tag team match on one of the separate nights for Wrestle Kingdom than you would for Wrestlemania. It really has to be something personal and be that hot of a taxi feud to warrant that position to be the main event of WrestleMania. You know, it would have to be something like uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against Triple H versus Shane McMahon, and Triple H and Shane put their careers out of line. You know, like Kevin and Kevin and Sami just go absolutely berserk, like how Kevin would be in Ring of Honor. And, like, holding the company hostage or something like that. And I think that you have to have the right feud and the right match to close out WrestleMania like that for it to be a tag match. Next question. Is The Fiend the next WWE Champion? I don't think he doesn't need a title to be relevant. Well, Nate, me and you are on the same page, pal, because I don't think The Fiend needs any championship to be relevant. In five years, which title will be more highly regarded, the North American Championship or TNT? I'll say the North American Championship because after what I saw last week on Dynamite, I don't know if AEW is going to be around in five years. And I'm not joking. They're making a lot of mistakes right now. They really need to look themselves in the mirror before they start driving people away because it's one thing for you to shoot arrows at your other uh, wrestling promotions around the world. But if you can't look yourself in the mirror and you can't actually build an identity and give people a reason to care about your product, it doesn't matter uh, what Tony Khan does or the fact that his father has a gazillion dollars, even then if you have a shit product, you're going to get kicked off the television. So I'd probably say the North American Championship. Uh, i got three more questions here from Nate. He says, do you think Impact will ever get to AEW's level in popularity? Well, I think AEW's popularity is skewed. What what about it's popular outside of the internet wrestling compu- community? I don't see casual people talking about AEW. Yeah, you get AEW commercials on TNT. Outside of the wrestling bubble, what about AEW is popular to the highest extent? Like... I I see every Thursday I see Brian Alvarez dance around like a Freaking 15 year old girl When the ratings come out for the Wednesday Night Wars And I don't know Who's marking out for a product That averages 800,000 viewers Every week Like really (laughs) 800,000 This is the second Coming of something that's going to bring down The WWE and we got to uh, dance like we won the World Series when they average 800,000 viewers. I don't really know if AEW is really that popular. And more times than not, Impact puts on the better product than AEW does. So we need to gauge what popularity is in pro wrestling in 2020. WWE's is established where you like their product or some decisions they make, they're they're established, you know where they are, you know where you can find their content. People talk about it whether they like it or not. Like we need to have like a full length discussion down the road on what's the actual gauge of popularity in pro wrestling in twenty twenty. Uh, uh, I, I I would hope so that impact could gain Popularity to AEW Because that would be a good testament for Impact and all the rebuilding they've had to do Since uh, Dixie Carter left the company Um So I would hope so but probably not Because when you have the Meltzers And the Wake Kellers and the Alva Bitches of the world they're going to do Everything they can to convince you that AEW is the second coming of The greatest wrestling show of all time And we're in the wrestling we're on the tip of the wrestling ap- apocalypse, and and uh, there's no turning back with AEW. So, <laughs> um, how do you stay happy in everyday life? It's just how you go about it. I, I I'm having a good gauge in the energy that I want in my life, and there's a lot of times that I, I sit in silence and think and try to observe things instead of just going around the day and just being reactionary. I'm not I'm not a reactionary person. You know, um, I, I, I'm really laid back, and I like if people want to talk to me, cool. If they don't, cool. Like uh, I, I'm just really focusing on my career that that makes me happy. Getting to play music that makes me happy. Um, I don't really have a lot of distractions or things that would bring me down as other things would. In, let's say in the last couple of years, but um, how I stay happy is just understanding that. I'm in a good position, I'm having fun doing what I'm doing, uh, what I do for a living as well, and I just feel like I'm clicking on all cylinders, and I feel like I'm ready to take the next step, but obviously there's other things getting in the way of that, and that being the pandemic, and that can also be frustrating too, where you don't know when you're going to have your next uh, radio job interview or something like that, so I always try to keep a level head, and just have to remind myself every day that I'm doing more right now. That's going to help me further in the future. So, that's how I stay happy every day. What do you think is Ricky Stark's ceiling in AEW? I think Ricky starts overall has a high ceiling. It just depends on what AEW does with him. I mean, at, at the end of the day, we have to figure out what the ceiling for AEW is. Is it just the former WWE talents or the people in the elite? Uh, circle, if you will. Or the EVPs. Is that the, bro, is that the measuring stick? Is that the only way you can get passes past Cody, past Kenny Omega, past the Sunk In Place Bucks? Is it, uh, getting past, um, Hangman Page? Like, we don't, AEW hasn't established the measuring sticks yet for their company. Yeah, we know who the EVPs are, but honestly, when you watch the show, does it really feel like Omega... And the Young Bucks. And all these other people are the measuring stick. Like, honestly. (laughs) So, I I think Ricky Starks does have a high ceiling. It's just what, it's all about what AEW does with him. And, uh, obviously, I think Ricky Starks is above just being associated in a group with Taz with all due respect. But, um, I I think Ricky Starks can do a lot of things in the future and benefit on that. So, I want to thank uh, Chris and Nate for sending questions. Each week, you guys are fucking awesome. You guys can send questions as well to me at the Hoots Podcast on Twitter or at the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. So, we're just wrapping up our first part of the podcast. Uh, When I come back, I'm going to review Hell in a Cell and talk about what happened this week in the world of WWE. Alright, alright, alright. We're back here on the Hoots Podcast. Hope you guys are having a good week so far. Uh, like I mentioned in the beginning of the show, make sure to like uh, this podcast on YouTube as well. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode on whatever podcasting platform you choose to use. And tell a friend about the Hoots Podcast. We're having a lot of fun here uh, every single Thursday on the Hoots Podcast. So let's get to what happened uh, this past Sunday night at Hell in the Cell at the WWE Thunderdome. First off, let me just say, Charlie Caruso's a beautiful woman, and I'll leave it at that, alright? Secondly, I had this prevailing thought, you know, just watching the pay-per-view at my uncle's house, um, and WWE pay-per-view nights are very interesting for me, because sometimes I do cover them live, and sometimes I don't. And more, preferably, sometimes I just wish I watched the pay-per-view for what it is, and then... Do the transcript later because it's a more Enjoyable experience and I did That on Sunday night I didn't Cover the pay-per-view live Um, I just watched it at my uncle Jeremy's House and we had a good time watching the event And you know Doing the transcript later on and Just getting more context And, And that's really the beauty of having this Website that I have and Doing transcripts and covering the industry For a living in a different way and Actually properly and respectively Is that I get to gain Context of what's Happening with these matches the Storylines, where, why things are Happening, why things aren't happening And when you really take a chance To sit down and actually watch And break down the moves and uh, you, you ask yourself a gazillion Questions but at the end of the day the answer Will always come to you instead of You trying to project what the answer is Or where things are happening We can all assume, we can assume about Every aspect of life but I think life gives you the answers. Uh, you could. Uh, I, I don't think more times than not, reality hits you more than what you assume. So, uh, when I watched the pay-per-view on Sunday and I did the transcript later on, I just want to give a big round of applause for what... Um, the women, the men, and the referees pulled off on Sunday, especially for the three Hell in the Cell matches that I'll talk about in particular. But before I get into the uh, Hell in the Cell matches, I just want to talk really quick about some of the other stuff that happened on the show that wasn't related to Hell in the Cell action. The Miz becoming Mr. Money in the Bank. Uh, he defeated Otis, uh, after Tucker Knight, uh, turned his back on Otis. Tucky is no more. And I see a lot of people on social media just dogging the Miz and saying, oh, he's annoying, he's boring, he's, uh, annoying heel, he's too cocky, he's egotistical. Um, did we forget about what a heel is in 2020? (laughs) Like... I, here's the thing I don't understand about wrestling in 2020 when it comes to fandom. I don't know why we feel like we have to like or be into every character, whether it's heel or babyface. Like, it's okay for you to not like somebody. Like, we have wrestling characters in the wrestling business for you to be upset. That's on the marquee. Just like any wrestling. Just like any entertainment show you watch We have people that you don't care for And that's cool You don't have to care about everybody Like all the time we always get to these arguments about Oh what would you do if we had the pencil Or we're in the boardroom And we're, we're acting like we have the right answers to business decisions And all this stuff But we really don't <laughs> And when you look at a guy like The Miz And what he brings to the WWE the guy is very underappreciated And undervalued for what he does For the wrestling business And for the WWE as a whole And yeah he is annoying Yes he is conceited Yes he is all about himself Yes he is all of those things But he's a heel And he's doing his job If you're annoyed by the miss, If he pisses you off when he wins Or you don't like his style of wrestling Or how he cuts promos He's doing his job. You're not supposed to like them, is. We're not supposed to like everybody in wrestling. That's the thing. If you don't like Retribution, cool. You don't like Retribution. But that doesn't mean because you don't like their group, that doesn't mean that's a bad thing on the product. Like, what you like and what I like may be two different things. And that has to be more of the case because a lot of you like AEW and I don't. <laughs> So we all have different opinions, but I think too many times we get stuck in this uh rabbit hole where if I don't like a character right off the bat or if I don't understand where they're going, that means the bookings off, uh the presentation is wrong, it's affecting the product of that particular brand wherever the situation is happening. And I don't think that's always the case. Okay, because you don't like Resolution, that does not mean that Raw is not good. Just because one match didn't go the way you wanted on a pay-per-view, that does not mean the pay-per-view sucked. I I just don't get that line of thinking. Like, look at The Miz. What is he not good at? He has one of the hottest women in the world as his wife. East. An uh, awesome promo guy. And he's good in the ring for his character. Here's the thing. There's so many people that play wrestler. But there's also wrestlers who placate to their character. Miz wrestles the way the Miz wrestles. And that's why he's successful. So Miz becoming Mr. Money in the Bank was a good decision. And look, Otis, the Roman Oats Otis did not work out. And that happens sometimes. But... I just really feel like the Miz is just overly underappreciated uh, by this era of wrestling fans, and it's a unfor- it's unfortunate because the guy is really good at his job. It's, it's the same thing I've talked about in the past with King Corbin or the General Mahals of the world, like. Just because they don't wrestle your style of flippity flippy Canadian destroyers, DVDs, and step-up insigaris on ring aprons every match, that doesn't mean they're not talented at what they do. Or they're boring. The Miz would work in any era. He would work in the AWA, he would work in Mid South, he would work in the NWA, he would work in Florida, he would work at um in in Oregon. Uh, he would work in uh, San Francisco as well. The Miz is a good professional wrestler. And he's good for the professional wrestling industry. And the the disrespect he gets because he doesn't do the mess the Meltzer style of wrestling in 2020. Is just a dumb take in my opinion. So Let's get into the Hell in a Cell matches that did happen on this event. Uh certain name, Hell in a Cell. And... I gotta say, I really, could go back to the Miz Otis match. Corey Graves' commentary during that match was absolute gold. I Just want to give a shout out to him. Um, <laughs> you know, when I when you look at this on paper and you have three Hell in the Cell matches on a pay per view, you know, sometimes you can feel like, oh shit, this could have a TNA Lockdown vibe. This is the same match. How can you make this separate from one another? And I think they pulled it off. And I think that's probably the main reason I really enjoyed this pay-per-view. Is the fact that they were able to make everybody in the match benefit. Whether they lost, won a championship, retain, whatever the situation was. they Every single performer that was in that Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. On uh, Sunday benefited from the match. Let's start off with uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. I thought I was watching a movie. The storytelling in that match was just absolutely superb. I, I keep saying it, man. Tr- Roman Reigns is the tribal chief of pro wrestling. He's that damn good, guys. He's that good. And, you know, getting to be acknowledged by the Wild Simones on the stage, I thought that was awesome. Roman and Jay Uso did a great job. I thought Jay had some really good moments, and then you know, having the point where Roman puts Jimmy in a guillotine choke, which forces Jay to say "I quit." I thought that was great. I-, I really enjoyed that match for Roman Reigns and Jay Uso. And if you guys haven't seen that match yet, you guys are truly missing out. It was one of the best Hell to the Cell matches I've ever seen. Speaking of. Uh, best Hell in the Cell matches I think on Sunday we saw the best Female Hell in the Cell match I've ever seen in my life And it's from Two people you would never expect to hear me Put them over One thing I am able to do Is to admit when I'm wrong about Something And for a large part of the summer I was ragdolling The Bailey and Sasha stuff I didn't care for them as a tag team I thought Bailey was the champion for way, way too long, and there's been times over the years where I was indifferent and I didn't buy into the whole hysteria surrounding Sasha Banks. Now, let's not be misconstrued. Just because I don't think Sasha Banks is the greatest women's wrestler of all time, that does not mean that I don't see her value. What I can say is that I can admit when I'm wrong and say that Sasha is indeed elite and that she is one of the biggest box office straws in the industry. She may not be my favorite WWE female wrestler, but she's definitely one of the best in the entire industry and I enjoy covering her work. She's talented, she has everything you want in a WWE superstar, the looks, Come on. <laughs> um, blueberry muffin, uh, blueberry Waterfall. Uh, no, why, why am I m- missing this up? It's Blueberry Muffin Waterfall. There you go. Come on, Josh. <laughs> That's the thing. That's how hot Sasha Banks is. You start to lose train of thought, right? Promos. Good. Uh, storytelling in the ring. Good. I thought there was some parts for her where she got a little bit repetitive in her offense in the ring, uh, but... As I continue to cover her matches and her promos as the, years, as the year gone by during this pandemic era, I've grown to appreciate Sasha Banks more for what she brings to the WWE and what she brings to the women's division. And guess what? On SmackDown, she is the blueprint. She is the standard. And now she's the SmackDown Women's Champion. And I got to give big props to her and Bailey for what they pulled off on Sunday. That was not easy. I think out uh, of the three women's Hell the the Cell matches, this is the best one that I've seen so far. Uh, you know, just some cool spots with the whole running meteor off the table ramp uh, on the side of the cell was really good. Um... There's just some really good uh, intensity and stuff in that match with Bailey and Sasha Banks. The finish was great, too. You you wrap uh, the chair around Bailey's neck, and you're doing the stomping of the fingers and making her tap out to the big uh, statement. And that match was awesome. And then let's get into the main event. Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. As I said last week, I really wanted this match to be the main event because if this was going to be Drew's last night as champion, he deserves to main event a pay-per-view. Drew McIntyre has had a phenomenal run as the WWE Champion given the circumstances of what we're living through right now in this pandemic. A guy that... Lost out on the biggest opportunity of buzz and cheers in the world due to the pandemic. Found a way to have barn burner their barn burner at their barn burner of pay-per-view title defense defenses. Name the list. Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, Dolph Ziggler, Randy Orton for the last three pay-per-views. Especially this match. Drew and Randy have great chemistry with each other. And... And I don't want this rivalry to be lost upon people once this whole pandemic era comes to an end. Because these two have done a really good job on Monday Night Raw. And I think sometimes when you have a few like Jordan Randy that goes on for two or three months, especially with the fact that Raw is on every single week and it's three hours, and it's a lot of content to process... Uh, some of that luster seems to get away from people because they're so accustomed to seeing Randy and Orton and they get tired quick. Look, I get it. We're in the ADD culture. We can't stomach long feuds anymore. Yet, we're the same people that say we want long-term storytelling, which makes sense, right? Um, <laughs> so, um, Randy and Drew did a phenomenal job of the rivalry. I thought the match they had on Sunday was really good. And Randy Orton is now your WWE champion. But what I really appreciated about this Hell in a Cell match was the fact that selling still selling still matters in wrestling in 2020. From both guys, both Randy and Drew McIntyre are selling. It was just a really good, strong match. Did Drew and Randy need a Hell in a Cell to close out their feud or their rivalry? No, they didn't have to, but they did. And they did a really good job, and I thought it was a proper send-off for that pay-per-view. And Drew had an amazing run as the WWE Champion, and this was probably inevitable because Randy Orton has been the best performer in the entire wrestling business outside of Roman Reigns in this pandemic era of wrestling, and it's not even close. Uh, Randy Orton is at the highest peak of his career right now, and... Man, I just can't wait to crowds come back and hear the heat this dude is going to get once uh, fans are back in the buildings. And I can't wait for that day. It's going to be really, really, really special. So, yeah. Overall, I really enjoyed Hell in the Cell as a pay-per-view. I thought it was really good. Uh, let's talk about a little a couple things really quick from Raw and SmackDown. Uh, I do want to mention the fact that Survivor Series is just right around the corner and the fact that uh, Survivor Series is going to be the uh, 30th anniversary of The Undertaker, which is going to be pretty cool. They got this whole 30 days of the dead man uh, thing going on in the the WWE Network, which is cool. And You guys know how I feel about The Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers of all time outside of CM Punk. It's him and hit. It's Punk and Taker, 1A and 1B. So... (laughs) um, yeah, hopefully we see the Dead man at Survivor Series. That'd be awesome. Uh, I saw for Monday Night Raw, I it was a pretty solid show this week as well, uh, looking at the matches. Um, you know, we had three qualifying matches for the Survivor Series uh, men's team. Uh, AJ Styles uh, defeated Jeff Hardy. That was a solid match. Uh, Keith Lee defeated Elias in a pretty good match too. I wanted to mention this because I mentioned this on Twitter too. I saw somebody say that, oh, Keith Lee... Having a competitive match with Elias uh, is affecting his booking. This is not good booking or presentation for Keith Lee. Okay, so let's have Keith Lee beat Elias in three minutes. And then what you say? Oh, oh, so much for that Elias push. Uh, man, he got squashed. I, who did he piss off in the backstage area? You know, you get all those reports on the news sites. And... I just don't get some of you guys a line of thinking these days, <laughs> especially the reporters. But well, maybe I'll figure that out one day down the road. But um, yeah, Keith Lee and Elias had a pretty good match too. Um, and then my my favorite match from Raw this week was uh, Matt Riddle against Sheamus. I just came off the heels of covering the G1. You want to talk about a match that would fit the G1 description and that tour and that style of wrestling? is it, That's what you saw on Monday night at the Dome. Matt Riddle and Sheamus tore the house down. And that was just absolutely awesome. So, uh, that was a great match. If you guys haven't seen it, you guys are truly missing out. And then... Uh, I want to wrap this uh, segment up by talking about what I saw last night uh, on NXT. In NXT Halloween Havoc. Um, I think this may be the best NXT episode I've seen this year. Just the presentation, all the production that went into it. Getting to see the return of Bad News Barrett was great. Um, you guys know how much of a mark I have for Wade Barrett and Bad News Barrett more specifically. Um, Vic Joseph dressing up as Waldo is very apropos, but Vic Joseph is a great uh, play-by-play guy. It was an awesome show, man. I, I loved it. You know, We had Johnny Gargano become the NXT North American Champion. Uh, thanks to help from Scream. <laughs> Johnny I guess Johnny and Candace bought somebody a rest, Uh, made a wrestler dress up at Scream and uh cost uh Damien Priest the NXT North American championship. Uh I kinda bummed out about that, but Damien Priest will get back out of his feet and I don't think that match uh affected him. Uh you know, looking at the other matches on the show, I mean Rhea Ripley and uh Raquel Gonzalez had one of the best NXT women's matches I've seen this year so far. This really good, strong style heavyweight bout between both ladies. And it was an awesome match. If you guys haven't seen that from last night, Rhea Ripley versus uh, Raquel Gonzalez, you guys should go check that out. And then just like the cool cameos and stuff. We had Michael Hayes uh, (laughs) bringing Cameron Grimes to the Haunted House of Terror I thought that whole cinematic thing with him and Dexter Lumis was pretty entertaining as well. And look, guys, I'll be honest with you. I'm not the biggest fan of horror movies or thriller. I'm, that whole genre is something that I'm not really interested into. Not that I'm scared of it. I've just always been indifferent to like Halloween or horror flicks or something like that. It's just it's just there. It's something that I crave or mark out for. But you know what? It was cool. It was a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to break down last night on the WWE Network and, uh, no, on the USA Network. And, um, you know, Tommaso Ciampa had a really good, uh, promo. You guys should go check that out as well. Uh, I'd be remiss without mentioning, uh, seeing Legado Del Fantasma, uh, donning their back roots, which was cool. Uh, Escobar paying homage to, um... Ray Mysterio's gear from Halloween Havoc 1997 was awesome. Uh, seeing Pete Dunne return and join forces with Pat McAfee is something that caught me by surprise. Uh, it was a really cool moment. The pop that Pete Dunne got in that Capitol Wrestling Center it was fucking dope. Maybe this is just me wanting to just Live and move to Florida right now. Just get move on from Chicago. This is me why to be Florida because that's my favorite place, my happy place. But like I want to be at the Capitol Wrestling Center, man. That that freaking joint is dope, man. I don't care if I had to wear a mask or whatever, or take tests. I just want to be at the Capitol Wrestling Center. You know, I want to check that venue out, and then. Let's talk about the main event, the TLS match, the Table, Ladders, and Scares match. Uh, just a, a barn burner from EO and Candice. Um I always say Candice is underrated with Waterfall, but EO Candice is also very underrated in the conversation of best female wrestlers in the world. EO Shrai did retain, however, and is still your NXT Women's Champion. Um, and I also want to mention that Shashi Blackheart really... ...really made herself out to be a star last night. She, As Triple H put it out on Twitter, she had a breakout performance as the host of Halloween Havoc. I hope this is the annual thing for NXT. I loved it. I loved the presentation, the music, the vibe, the commentary. This was the best NXT episode of the year so far. And I fucking loved it. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Halloween Havoc, go out your way to watch it. It was really, really, really good. So, I'm gonna take one more swig of water, and then when we come back, um, I'm gonna review what I saw this past Saturday night from Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory. Back here on the Who's Podcast to so keep the rig on the road here as we, uh, Break down really quickly what happened, my takeaways from Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory. Uh, we spray to all rings here on the Who's Podcast. It's not just a WWE or AEW show. Talk about everything that happens in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, Impact Wrestling had their biggest show of the year this past Saturday night in Nashville, Tennessee. It was TNA Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory. Uh, they had a Cameo appears by The Rock, who congratulate Ken Shamrock would be uh, the latest inductee in the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame. Before I get into the pay-per-view as a whole, because I, I actually enjoyed this event, I have to say this, and you guys know me, I hold nothing back when it comes to <laughs> my thoughts. Josh Matthews is the worst play-by-play wrestling commentator of all time. I don't care what you say. Excalibur is better than him. Mike Adam is better than him. Scott Stanford is better than him. Hell, man. Jack Corpella is better than Josh Matthews. Okay? Josh Matthews is so smug, so arrogant, so disingenuous as a play-by-play guy. Uh, his... When, when I hear him t- pretend to be excited, it doesn't necessitate me to be excited. I have to pull it out of myself. I don't have Josh Matthews sucking me into the action of what we're seeing. Josh Matthews completely sucks. Okay? His attitude during that period was embarrassing. I felt bad for Don Callis. I don't know why Don's not doing weekly comment- commentary, by the way, because he's one of the best in the world. uh but that's his decision, I guess. Uh, Josh, man, they're doing these brawls around the ringside area. And I get it. People are very highly uh, cautious and everything with the whole COVID-19 thing. But this dude was so over the top. Like, he's hiding behind the... He's going behind a barricade and acting like a... Like a... I don't even know how to say it. That Like, Josh Matthews, through that pay-per-view, was so annoying such a turn-off that it almost ruined the pay-per-view for me, how bad his performance was. Like, I put it out on Twitter the other day, Like, I don't know how Josh Matthews still has a job with Impact Wrestling after how he conducted himself on air during that pay-per-view. Um, you know, just bad production issues, by the way, from Impact where you hear Josh Matthews like, hey, can we fix our technical difficulties? And, you know, the, the backstage shot with Heath and Rhino. There's still a lot of sloppiness in TNA, and that's some of the things that always hinder them. That they're not they're not fine-tuned. They don't have the best of the best when it comes to what they need to take their product to the next level. And as far as the paper uh, is concerned, I really enjoyed it. There was a lot of good matches on this card. I really enjoyed the um, Exhibition Scramble match that kicked off the show. Uh had Roheat Roger retain his Exhibition Championship. I thought that was a really good match. Uh, looking at the rest of the card, you know, uh, there was a couple of title changes on this event. We had uh, Su Young defeating De- Yada Perazzo for the Impact Knockouts Championship. I will say this. Some of the matches on Impact uh, for the Bound for Glory overstate is welcome. As much as I love Deanna Perrazzo and I think she has the, ta- uh, the potential to be one of the best female wrestlers uh, in the world and just ever, but her match with Su Young was overly, overly long. And I, this, this is the thing I mentioned with AEW. I know that sometimes when you have people released from WWE and their boo boo phase and they get. Uh, in their feelings in these interviews with the Dirt Sheets I know you want to maximize on that and capitalize that And try to put them on the pedestal that they don't belong But it's just not a good look for your product And that's not a slight towards Ziyana because she is talented I think she's a great wrestler But sometimes I feel like when you have people race from WWE And they get these Mac title opportunities And you have these pay-per-view matches They just give them a long time just because, okay, this is the new flavor of the month. They just got released from the WWE. Let's give them a 20-minute match, pal, on pay-per-view. And they don't deserve it sometimes. So, it's just hard to take that seriously. But it was a good match. And Su Young is your new Impact Knockouts champion. Um, Really enjoyed the stuff with Boost and EC3. Their cinematic match was really good. Uh, Strong style stuff from Eddie... Edwards and Ken Shamrock Even though I disagree with the decision of having Ken Shamrock make Eddie Edwards Tap out It was just a very odd month or two for uh, Eddie Edwards He becomes the champion at Slam Reversary And then Two months later He's tapping out to Ken Shamrock On pay-per-view I just thought it was a bad look so uh, That was my thoughts on that And then Let's talk about the other two matches that really stood out to me. The North against um, Madman Fulton, Ace Austin against the Good Brothers, and the More City Machine Guns. Unfortunately, Alex Shelley got injured after a uh, double underhook pile driver on the stage. Um, Best and speedy recovery to Alex Shelley. Um, I thought Chris Saban had a good performance, even though there was times that I thought he was ripping off Daniel Bryan, but that's just another conversation for another time. Um, <laughs> uh, that t- that tag match was really good, and the North regained their Impact World Tag Team titles. They um, they. They picked up the victory. I really thought it was going to be the, the coordination of the Good Brothers, but made they're holding that offer hard to kill, which will take place on January 16th. But another, like, a really strong fatal four way match for that tag team titles. And then the main event uh, the best match of the show, obviously, Rich Swan against Eric Young. Uh, Eric Young versus Rich Swan for the Impact World title. Uh, Congratulations to Rich for becoming the Impact World Championship. I mentioned it last week that I had my my doubts and my indifference towards the pay-per-view. No, indifference towards their feud, but the match was fantastic. Uh, the storytelling was good as well. I thought it was a really, really good match. And uh, Rich Wan is your new Impact World Champion. So, um, overall, I enjoyed Bound for Glory for the most part. I thought it was worth the money that I spent to cover the pay per view. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. If you guys haven't seen Bound for Glory, make sure you go check it out. And then really quick as we uh, do this loop around the outside of the WWE and AEW bubble. I do want to mention one thing for WWE. Make sure to check out Walter versus Ilya Dragunov for NXT UK this week. They're having their uh, NXT UK Championship match on NXT today as I record this on a Thursday. That is going to be the one of the matches of the year. I can't wait to jot that down later on on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. And that's going to be fucking awesome. I can't wait. And then, um, if you guys haven't seen NXT UK, man, you guys should truly miss it out. If you want pure, pure professional wrestling, NXT UK has that and end some on the WWE Network. Uh, and then, finally, I wanted to mention um, some stuff coming up with New Japan as far as what I'm doing. Uh, for the first time... I'm actually going to be taking time to cover the World Tag League and the Best of the Super Junior Tournament. So this is like the final tour for New Japan in tw- uh, 2020 before we get to Wrestle uh, Kingdom season. And uh, there's going to be 17 events uh, spanning from November through December. And I'll be covering all of those on ProWrestlingTranscripts.com. So I, I wanted to say that you are truly will be covering both the World Tag League, and the Best of the Super Juniors Tournament uh, coming up on uh, later on this month. So make sure to check out Pro Wrestling Transcripts.com, pal. All right, folks. It's that time of the week. The time everybody's been waiting for. The moment that you marked down on your phone or your calendars, if you guys still use calendars in 2020, the moment you've been waiting for. The most highly requested segment in all professional wrestling in 2020. It is, once again, time to ask this question. What the hell is wrong with AEW? And we're going to start off with Brother Carter in a 3, 2,
2: 1. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong With AEW! What the hell is wrong with AEW? Why the hell are the Young Bucks trying to be babyfaces now? It's absolutely ridiculous. Their feud with FTR is stupid. Which is unfortunate because I still believe that their tag team division has the potential to be the best in the world. Like if you look at just the Young Bucks versus FTR on on paper, it should be a tre- tremendous match. And I think it actually is going to be a great match. But everything that's leading up to it, the build and all that stuff, is absolutely ridiculous. The baby, uh, the Young Bucks don't know how to be characters outside of the ring FTR barely knows how to be characters outside of the ring so it's it's just their feud I'm not interested in their feud I am interested in the match just because I know how good they are but seriously I just I, this, this, this this whole turn with the young bucks just just makes no sense to me and now there's this stipulation that if they don't win the tag titles they'll never change for the, the challenge for the tag titles again which guarantees that the young bucks are gonna defeat FTR at full gear because if the young bucks can't challenge for the tag titles then what else are they going to do are they going to create the tnt tag team championships like no they're not going to do that so we now know who's winning that match of course they could just say no and then book themselves whatever since they're the bosses but it's absolutely ridiculous speaking of ridiculous oh my god the town hall meeting segment was so freaking stupid You've got people outside of this angle who are asking questions like Luchasaurus acting like a 65 million year old dinosaur, Britt Baker, which again, I love Britt Baker and I love Eric Bischoff and it was cool to see them, but why would anybody outside of this angle care about this angle? It's absolutely ridiculous. And then trying to parody the presidential debates, it's so stupid We're finally getting the Jericho versus MJF match, which is fine. Actually, I thought Jericho and MJF were the two worst people in the segment. I thought Sammy Guevara confronting MJF at the beginning of the show was great. I thought that – I believe it was Santana confronting uh, MJF during the town hall meeting. I thought that was very good. But – so the two people that are the focus of the angle are the two worst people in this segment. And this segment has led me to one one conclusion – MJF needs to leave AEW, and he needs to leave AEW ASAP. I've said that they could build the company around MJF, which they could, but he's being wasted. His talent is being wasted. He could be a much bigger star in Ring of Honor or New Japan. I I I fear that he would get lost in the shuffle in WWE right now. Uh, He might could go to NXT, and that would be fine. I think he actually could do well in NXT, and just and and build because that type of character would work down there, but. I don't, uh, he needs to leave AEW because as long as the elite is in charge, MJF will never get to the top because he was never an ex WWE guy or a member of the elite, which has somehow, you know, tricked Tony Khan into thinking that, you know, that they know what they're doing. It's absolutely ridiculous. Cody and Orange Cassidy are good athletes, but everything with the lumberjacks was stupid. The spots with the lumberjacks was stupid. You know, their, their, the the interactions outside of the ring, uh, just how they went in and out, the flow between the going in out into the lumberjacks and all that stuff was absolutely stupid. And then the hugging spot in the middle of the match, in the middle of a lumberjack match with best friends, was dumb as well. It was it was horrible. Just let Cody and Orange Cassidy wrestle, and let them have a match where there's no time limit, and then we can finally decide who the winner is. And also. I guess Cody's a heel again because of the yellow, even though he's gonna to try to act all faces. I mean, Arn Anderson punched Orange Cassidy on the, uh, you know, to end the match essentially. So I guess he's a heel again, which he always should have been a heel, but he's probably gonna act like a babyface. So it's 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 the whole lumberjack match was stupid. It was absolutely ridiculous. Speaking of the best friends, you got Miro and Time's new Roman font Kip Sabian against the best friends, and then that feud's stupid. It's over a video game. I don't care about that. Okay, so I've complained for a long time about the women's division in AEW. And now, Serena Deeb, who won the NWA Women's Championship, which by the way, congratulations to Serena Deeb. That's wonderful. I think that she's absolutely deserving of that for sure. But they've put more focus on that than on their own champion. Hikaru Shida has been in one segment in the last two weeks of the show. And it was a backstage segment. And she's challenging Nyla Rose, who we haven't seen on television in like two months. And she's going to get an AEW Women's Championship match. It is very obvious that AEW does not care about their women's division. They don't know how to book their women's division. It's absolutely ridiculous. And um, the fact that Britt Baker is not the champion, is it makes no sense to me. Because she's the only, right now in my opinion, she's besides Serena Deeb, is the only credible talent in the AEW women's division, which is unfortunate because I like Nyla Rose and I like Hikaru Shida. I think that they're, you know, I, I think that they have potential, but there's no credibility to what they're doing with them. It's it's their, the booking of the women's division is just atrocious. AEW, anyone except women. Why should I care about Sean Spears? Are they banking on his 14-2, and 2, now 15-2 and 2 record as a thing? What does a squash match do? Why should I care about Sean Spears? He's won all of his matches on AEW Dark. So now all of a sudden he's going to get a squash match and now we're supposed to care about his feud with Scorpio Sky? It's stupid. And then the last thing I'll say this week, I hate Kenny Omega's entrance. All of the accolades are awful. It it doesn't make no sense. Now, if they continue to do this and it's clear that the accolades are just kind of part of his... They're kind of trolling the fans or whatever. Okay, I, I'll buy into that. But the entrance, I can't stand it. Just let him wrestle. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been... What the hell is wrong with AEW?
1: Thank you very much, Brett Carter, for the submission. Great job, as always, my man. What the hell is wrong with AEW this week? Well... I'll get to that in just a couple minutes, but first, I want to be fair and positive, everybody. Let's uh, talk about what I did enjoy for AEW Dynamite this week. I liked a couple of the matches on the show. I really enjoyed the um, Hangman Ma- Hangman Page match with Wardlow. Uh, Hangman Page is- continues to be the glue for AEW as far as the good side of their wrestling matches. Uh, He can have a good match with anybody. He can have a good match with a broomstick. Um, Having a guy like Wardlow, who doesn't have as much television experience, but a guy that is experienced in the industry, uh, their match was awesome. Uh, I thought that was a fun opener. Uh, Really enjoyed the match with Serena Deeb and Layla Hirsch, my new wrestling crush, by the way. God, that girl's hot. Even for her being an amateur wrestler, that girl's hot. Um, <laughs> that was a good match, and then um, P- Kenny Omega and Pentagon Junior had a fantastic match. Was it up to parts in the one they had it all in? Probably not, but to have that match on television, I thought that was really good as well. So, and then um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it uh, for stuff I liked. I want to start off with this. Like, let will start off with the. World Championship because we're a couple of weeks. Uh, we're actually nine days away from full gear pay per view, right? And the main event's going to be John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston in the I Quit Match for the AEW World title. I'm going to start off with this. And I'm going to try to promise myself that I'm not going to pop a blood vessel or scream too loud during this segment. But I have some point in things that I want to say and be more measured during this what the hell is wrong with AEW segment this week for a reason. You look at John Moxley and Ed Kingston on paper, right? It'd be something you'd be really, really excited for. And then you watch AEW and you realize, is this a televised Professional Wrestling Company Or a CCW Reunion Show And I have that Ticking in the back of my head As we get closer and closer And closer to this pay-per-view Because God knows When it comes to Jon Moxley The Heavyweight Champion The only way you can have interesting matches With him is if there's added Stipulations or gimmicks or BS Attached to them And that's your World Champion that's the guy that PWI said that's the best wrestler in the world. That's John Moxley. And no matter how many promos he can cut or how good Eddie Kingston's on the mic, there's a looming reality that seems to go over every single wrestling fan's heads these days. Look at what John Moxley does as a world champion and the people he's brought down since being the AEW champion. Brody Lee, an afterthought. Brian Cage, an afterthought. Lance Archer, an afterthought. MJF. This kills me to say this because MJF was my number one pick in the TWT draft. MJF is relegated to Le Dina Dimonia with Chris Jericho. You we want to talk about WWE. Champions and how they bury certain performers after their matches. Let's 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 do the comparison box here. Like, tell me who has benefited after having a program with John Moxley? It's sure hell ain't Jake Hager, <laughs> that's for sure. God, that guy sucks. But John Moxley in AEW, a- Tony Khan has such this. Infatuation with Dave Meltzer And the way Dave Meltzer views things And the way De- Dave Meltzer's philosophy of pro wrestling Hell, even Chris Jericho's infatuated Why Why do you think uh, Chris has Meltzer on Every other week on uh, Talk is Jericho? Like, I, I'm not stupid to how the business works Dave Meltzer, what he says, gives clicks Dave Meltzer on Talk is Jericho, gives clicks Tony Khan taking booking ideas from Brian Alvarez and Mike Zeperviti and Dave Meltzer is going to give them clicks. So, Tony Khan, this long-term subscriber to uh, uh, Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer crap letter. No, it's the Wrestling Observer shit letter. Let's, let's dub that this week. The official Wrestling Observer shit letter. And... You know, we all know the drill with Dave. His favorite wrestling promotion is New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, Tony Khan being the Wrestling Observer shit letter mark that he is, is going to try to convince you, the audience, that John Moxley is the U.S. version of Minoru Suzuki. Why do I say that? Because look at who is his biggest fan. Dave Meltzer. The guy who's obsessed with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I love covering New Japan. It's one of my favorite covers, uh, my favorite for most of the cover as well. But I'm not up to it and anal about it as Meltzer is. And Tony Khan is going out of his way to make sure that John Moxley is presented like Minoru Suzuki. The only difference is we're hearing what a babyface edition of Suzuki would be uh, on television. And here's. Here's the hard-crushing reality for people in Jacksonville to listen to this. John Moxley can't lace Minoru Suki's shoelaces. Okay? Let's talk about the town hall meeting. I'd echo Brian Carter's sentiments. Week after week, it's a, it's a disturbing trend that the Le Champion, the ratings guy, the million viewer man, continues to have the most shittiest segments in all professional wrestling. Uh, Let's talk about Mimosa Mayhem That sucked Ladina Demonair sucked Uh, Outside a couple jokes with the debate with Orange Cassidy That sucked The town hall meeting, sucked (laughs) The least least surprising reveal of Eric Bischoff participating in the segment That didn't shock me I didn't even have to look up at spoilers to know that Eric Bischoff would be part of that segment Are you kidding me? Guys, you can figure out what AEW's doing before they announce it. That's a problem. Like, I don't know how you double down from a bad anniversary show to LaDena Demonir, but they did that. I don't know how you triple down from LaDena Demonaire to the town hall meeting. that absolutely sucked. It took way, way too long to get through. Like, I don't understand Chris Jericho's philosophy at AEW. I don't know what he's trying to accomplish. Like, like he is so upset with Vincent Man that he's basically going to do WWE Raw segments for his entire run in AEW until the point people say, Hey, Axel Rose, get the fuck off my television. That's what we're getting with with Chris Jericho at this point. And it's just... It's embarrassing to watch, like... Chris Jericho, you're not good, dude. You need to get off television. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself as much as your hero, Donald Trump, too. Okay? Like, get off my freaking television screen. I would rather watch David Kaplan from Chicago cut promos than you. I would rather see you uh, team up with, fuck, what's his name, um, I'd rather see you be part of the Jurassic Express than you with the Inner Circle, the Inner Circle sucks, okay, Sammy Guevara is useless, and Santana and Ortiz are, are watered down, they don't feel the same anymore, so we're doing this whole bit about how we're gonna get MJF into the Inner Circle, and we're gonna have this match at full gear, whoopity-freaking-do, like, okay, so what? Jericho's last couple matches Especially on Pay-Per-View Have not, have not been good to the eyes Okay <laughs> And I'm still waiting for this uh, Casino Battle Royal Because we, we always have a Dumb Battle Royal On AEW Pay-Per-Views so I'm sure they'll announce that next week uh, Look I, As much as I want to support MJF and Chris Jericho And all that Their feud absolutely Sucks ass It's bad It's like People trying to convince you that Stan Bowman is a good general manager for the Blackhawks. It's like people trying to convince you that you know uh, what's his name. That uh, that uh, I'm trying to remember the the uh, bi- bicycle guy. Oh, that Lance Armstrong is a good person. Like, it's a, it's a lose-lose situation. You already know the answer to this. MGF and Chris Jericho, on paper, would be awesome in the WWE. When you see MGF and Chris Jericho in AEW, I can't wait to grab my remote quicker and change the channel. That's how bad this feud has been. And I can't wait for this to get done and over with. Uh, Chris Jericho needs an extensive break from television Extensive break from television This is not good This is not good at all Um, Seeing the things that are not good at all uh, Let's talk about the Young Bucks and FTR interview What was that? You could have aired that on YouTube? What a waste of TV time And who the hell wants to watch an interview conducted by excrement? You could have Brother Carter do that interview It's just brutal man (laughs) I always say this Keep all microphones away from Matt Jackson Because that's just A time bomb way to happen In his face Like he's not good on the mic (laughs) Whatsoever He's not And then um, finally wrap it up with this The egomaniac of all AEW Cody Rhodes against Orange Cassidy this is the one that really grinded my gears this weekend. This this week for Dynamite. So we're having this lumberjack match for the TNT title. Some of the in-ring spots and in the sequences were fine. But here's the thing. As a guy who's a traditional uh, traditional wrestling fan. Uh, like I'm a wrestling pierce, right? Why is Art Anderson as a babyface punching Orange Cassidy behind the referee's back? Like, every time you turn into Dynamite, you don't even know whether Cody's going to be a good guy or a bad guy. Like, it's just, like, getting worse as the weeks go by. Like, I'm waiting for him to switch to the black hair again before the pay-per-view where he fights Darby Allin. I'm pretty sure that'll happen. Like, Cody Rhodes... (laughs) Dude, you just... Be the freaking heel that you are, man. This is the frustrating part because, like, I'm watching this match. Like, Who am I supposed to cheer for? We got Orange Cassidy, who's a indifferent guy. He's from wherever. He weighs whatever. We all know the whole drill. And... You're having this stuff with the Dark Order coming in and running in. And she's like... Like, uh, come on, man! Like, this is the best you guys could offer me: Cody Rhodes versus Orange Cassidy. And I just don't understand how the, these matches are being justified to be booked. Like, okay, Cody versus Darby Allin. Like, if this—if this is the sports-based wrestling company, they don't even adhere to the wins and loss records that they have in their promotion. It's to what they think would fit best for their storyline. And going back to Chris Jericho, if everything he's doing right now, that's his creative freedom, I would want wrestlers with no creative freedom. How about that? Because if that's creative freedom, get that off my damn TV screen. AEW doesn't even pay attention to their own win loss records. They don't even pay attention to their power rankings. And please, as I wrap this up, for the love of God, stop doing this stupid ass intro with Kenny Omega. It's not good. Yes, I don't mind seeing Good Waterfall dancing on the stage. That's fine. But nobody cares about Sports Illustrated. Nobody cares about the Torch. Nobody cares about the Wrestling Observer shit letter. And nobody cares about Kenny Omega, okay? Stop doing this bullshit. That, my friends, has been What the Hell Is Wrong with AEW. Alright, folks, we're gonna wrap this bad boy up. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your schedules to listen to the podcast this week. You can follow me at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at Josh Lopez94. That's J-O-S-H-I-E-Lopez94 and at Josh Lopez Music. Uh, you can follow Brother Carter, by the way, on Twitter, on Instagram at Derrico06. Uh, no, on Twitter at Derrico06, and, then, um, Burt Carter's the man. Uh, you'll hear from him in a couple minutes, but, um, uh, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscripts.com so you can follow along with all my coverage of every single wrestling show out there. Uh, make sure to support Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with my man, Jonathan Hood. And uh if you guys could please subscribe to the podcast. It comes to you free of charge every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts from. And leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the podcast. Good, bad, or indifferent. I want to gauge your guys' interests and thoughts on this podcast. So all you have to do is have a Apple Podcast uh account, leave us a four or five star rating, and just let us know what you think about the podcast. And I appreciate the support. Thank you, Chris and Nate for sending questions each and every single week. Shout out to all the other good brothers and good sisters who check out the podcast each and every single week. And uh, as far as the moment for Zen, is just this, man. Be the authentic product that is yourself. And always remember, you dictate the pace of your life. Nobody else. So, I'm Joshi. This has been episode 229 of the Hoots Podcast. And right now, we're going to send it off to Brett Carter for a, sp- a brand spanking new edition of The Dots of Derico. I'll be back here next week to preview um, AEW Full Gear and New Japan Power Struggle 2020. Uh, I'll be making predictions for that event. And right now, we're going to send it off to Brett Carter for this week's edition of The Dots of Derrick We'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, yes, sir.
2: And now, the thoughts of Derico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that will not have you emotionally drained, but will have you emotionally charged, fired up, and ready to take on the world. It is the thoughts of Derico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. Holy crap. Roman Reigns is by far the best professional wrestling talent in the world right now. His match at Hell in the Cell with Jay Uso was absolutely outstanding in every way, shape, and form. The storytelling with him, Jay, Jimmy, the officials, all of it was Absolutely tremendous, and I loved every bit of it. The only critique that I have it is that after after Jay choked out Roman Reigns, uh, he should have just kept going until the referee stopped the match. I think the referee could have probably stopped the match a couple times along the way. I know why they did it, because they had to say, I quit. I get it. And to me, that was just a little awkward, a little weird. But other than that, it was phenomenal, Jimmy running down, the whole crying segment with Roman Reigns was phenomenal. Like, it, it just the acting was terrific. Uh, I'm hoping, actually, that we'll see. I know Naomi is drafted to Raw. I hope that when she comes back, we see a little bit of her on SmackDown getting involved with this storyline. Uh, I think that should add another whole level to this. But I think it was absolutely terrific. And then seeing Afa and Sika, the Wild Samoans, at the very end, come out and then put the lay on Roman Reigns and anoint him, the tribal chief, was terrific. I give this match, out of 10, I give it 175. It was just... I was emotionally drained at the end of it. And I, I had troubles. I felt bad for Jeff Hardy and Elias, who had to go next. Because, I mean, I was like, geez, how do you follow that? But, my God, it was just tremendous. Congratulations to Roman Reigns, to Jay Uso, who... Jeez, where where has why have we not seen more of this throughout his career? Why not saying that he couldn't do it, but why has he not been given more of an opportunity? Jay Uso could be a world champion, and I would hundred percent believe it. Like holy cow, if you were to put the world title, whether it's the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship, on Jay Uso tomorrow, I would not have a problem with that at all. That would be just, he's earned it. Because what he's done with Roman Reigns has just been terrific. So congratulations to everybody. I can't say enough good things about this. Miz is Mr. Money in the Bank. To quote Daniel Bryan, yes, yes, yes. And you can't see it because this is audio. But I'm doing the whole hand in the air thing because that's awesome. It's long overdue. I'm sad for Otis because Otis, I think, is a lot of talent. Uh, I unfortunately there was just no real way to plug him in to winning a a singles world championship and now we get a program with him and Tucker which I think is fine I, I I'd like to actually see that but it's long overdue for Miz to be Mr. Money in the Bank he needs to be world champion he deserves to be world champion I've been saying that for years that Miz is one of the top talents in WWE I'm so happy for him and I really want him to be world champion because I think that he deserves it. And it will be great for the company. I don't know how that's going to play out, when he'll cash in. I don't know if the, if the cash-in restarts. Or if he has one year up till the next year Money in the Bank pay-per-view. So I don't know how that works. But uh, I'm, I'm just so happy for him to be world champion. I could see him cashing in maybe after Survivor Series. Give him an opportunity to shine on a big stage. But either way, I'm thrilled for The Miz. He deserves it. And congratulations. Okay. I want to care about Retribution. I really do, like I, I I really really do, but I'm having a hard time getting into this storyline. I again, and it's 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 unfortunate because I like the only person that has a shot of saving this is Mustafa Ali, because he he has been terrific in this, and I think he has the opportunity to 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 bring this thing together. But I mean, just for me, with retribution. Just let them be who they are. We know that Reckoning is Maya Yim. We know that I believe it's Slapjack is Shane Thorne. We know that T-Bar is Dominic uh, Dijakovic. And they're great as they are. You know, so just let them, if you have some enhancement talent to kind of build the, the numbers, that's fine. But the core group, just let them be who they are. Take the mask off and go, oh, my God, it's Dominic Dijakovic or, oh, my God, it's Mia Yim. Because on Raw, and we'll get to this in a minute, um, with Raw, like when, when reckoning was having her, her uh, 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 I guess, her itchiness or her kind of seizure type thing, the referee went, Mia, Mia, are you okay? So we, she, she gave away that, or the referee gave away that it's Mia Yim. So just let them do that. So again, I want to get into retribution, but I, I I'm just having a hard time doing it. Um, Sasha and Bailey are amazing together. They will be linked forever, and I have no complaints about that. It was a terrific, terrific Hell in a Cell match. I, it, I, pretty much the whole card, top to bottom, uh, from Hell in a Cell was was excellent. I thought it's one of the best pay per views of the year, to be honest. Uh, Sasha and Bailey are amazing together. Again, a terrific match. Sasha's the SmackDown Women's Champion. This feud is not over, obviously. Though I want to see Bianca Belair get in there at some point because I think that's one of the reasons she was drafted to SmackDown because she is the EST of WWE and needs to be involved in championship matches because she's that good. But I I I don't know how long they can draw or drag out the Sasha Bailey feud if they're going to put them aside for a little while. We'll find out on SmackDown this week. But. I have a feeling they're going to have him go at it at Mania, which is fine. But they had an amazing, amazing match. And congratulations to Sasha and Bailey for another terrific, terrific contest. Also, shout out to my friend Matt McCool. His girl, Sasha Banks, completed the, completed the, uh, the crown, the, the triple crown or, or whatever. And finally got that SmackDown Women's Championship. So that's great. Uh, Randy Orton is, an, is the WWE Champion. I didn't see it coming, but that's good for him. uh, You know, it's it's a safe way to do it. Makes Orton a 14 time world champion, tying Triple H's record. I think I I had no problems with it at all. I know some people are complaining, oh my God, why isn't WWE building new stars? Because their storytelling with who they have is working. And I love it. I've heard rumors that we're going to get Randy Orton versus Edge for the WWE Championship at Mania 37. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with that at all. I think that's going to be great. So, again, I didn't see it coming, but good for him. The other thing I will say is Drew McIntyre needs to be the MVP for 2020. I think that the way he's had to carry the company since the coronavirus pandemic, not getting his opportunity to win the WWE Championship in front of 80,000 people, which he has earned, that's unfortunate. But Drew McIntyre should be Superstar of the Year, uh, for, and he's the MVP in my opinion of 2020 in the world of professional wrestling. Overall, top to bottom, I thought Hell in a Cell was fantastic, and I just I just loved every minute. So congratulations to everyone involved. It was great. Okay, let's switch gears. I want to talk about Raw a little bit, then I'll get into uh, some of the things I liked about AEW. You've already heard what I didn't like about AEW, but I'll get into what I liked about AEW. I, as, as I was watching Raw this week, it just kind of dawned on me, Raw's roster is... St- Stacked. My goodness, there is great talent from top to bottom, men's, um, in the men's side, in the women's side. Raw's roster is stacked. I mean, that's the talent that is on that show is unbelievable. From McIntyre, Orton, The Fiend, Alexa Bliss, The Hurt Business, Elias, Jeff Hardy. So nice. Just
0: ask me what you'd like me to do, and I'll try my best to help.
2: I just said I gotta be quiet. I just said Alexa Bliss, and my smart speaker went off. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna leave this in the audio because that's kind of funny. But I mean, think about it. all those folks I mentioned: Elias, Jeff Hardy, the Hurt Business, uh, Angel Garza, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax. I mean, the just the I mean, I I know I'm missing out some people, but the talent on Raw is stacked. That's very cool. I can't figure out why WWE is continuing to push Lana. I, I I just don't get it. Maybe they're trying to give her one last-ditch effort to try to get her over before she— maybe she's threatening to go be the best woman over in uh, AEW, but you guys heard my thoughts earlier about what I think about what AEW thinks about their women's division, so I think that'd be a bad move for Lana. But again, I don't know why they're pushing her. I, I don't get it. It's fine, I guess, but I, I, I just don't understand why WWE is continuing to push her. Angel Garza flirting with four women at the same time was hilarious. Like he came up and started flirting with Manny Rose, and then um, and then and he's like, Okay, well Dana, what about you? And you know, she's just standing right there. And then Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler comes over and he starts flirting with them. That was awesome. Like when he gave the rose to Nia Jax, I was dying laughing. I thought that was hilarious. That was great. They've announced the Survivor Series championship matches, which we knew were going to happen, but holy cow, they're going to be fantastic. You've got uh, the Reigns versus Orton, Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn, Street Profits versus uh, the New Day, Asuka versus Sasha Banks. I mean, those are all going to be great. So I think Survivor Series is shaping up to be fantastic. Last thing I'll say about Raw is Matt Riddle and Sheamus brought the house down and had an amazing match. That was great. I'm sorry. One other thing I'll say about Alexa Bliss. Holy cow. When she is evil and doing the whole fiend thing and her th- segment with a moment of bliss. Yowie wowie. I'm in on Alexa Bliss. That was fan freaking tastic. She is up to her game to a whole not- She doesn't need a championship because she is. She is easily surpassed the Raw Women's Championship though. Tell me you wouldn't want to see her in this character versus Asuka at some point. I could see that happening. Hell, I could see that happening at Mania. That would be that that could be a show, a match that steals a show, assuming the queen is not back by then. But that was awesome. Great show from Raw. I really enjoyed it this week. Okay. Talk a little bit about what I enjoyed about AEW this week. And let me find my notes on AEW. There it is. Okay. Guys, I said earlier that MJF needs to leave AEW, and, and I really think he does, but man is... M, uh, I'm sorry, MJF needs to leave AEW, but man is he such a good chicken heel. Like, his stuff is... Like, he's got talent. There's no question about it. Uh, you know, just his stuff with with uh, Sammy Guevara at the very beginning and with Wardlow and all that stuff I thought was great. Again, he's so, his character is so good. He's just being misused. I thought, by and large, the wrestling on AEW Dynamite this week was quite good. A great match between Wardlow and Hangman Adam Page. Both men are very talented. As much as I dislike the elite, Adam Page is a star, and you can build a company around him. And Wardlow is getting better and better each week. And we got to see the Buckshot Buckshot Lariat twice, which was... uh, You know I love that move, and I love Hangman Adam Page. So, great match in there. I enjoyed the match between Eddie Kingston and Matt Seidel. Uh, Great psychology using Moxley's move at the very end. I actually enjoyed it. Um, From what I recall, Josh wasn't a fan of it. But I I thought it was a good match overall. And to me, Eddie Kingston is outstanding. He's now my favorite performer in AEW. He's got to get rid of that entourage, though. I mean, the Butcher and the Blade and Bunny, uh, as much as I love Bunny, uh, they're not doing anything for him. Uh, And and Pentagon and, and Phoenix... You know they're not really doing anything for him. I think Eddie Kingston needs to to be out on his own. But great promo from him. Great promo from Moxley as well. Really cool stuff. And I mentioned good psychology using John Moxley's move to 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 get the win over Matt Sydal. I thought that was great. Um, again, I'll I'll never stop getting tired of hearing the crowd sing Judas. I think that's just so cool. As much as Jericho annoys me, I thought that's really cool. Neat to see Eric Bischoff. That was cool. Even though the angle that he was in is stupid. Uh, let's see. Happy for Serena Deeb as the NWA champion. That's, that's, that's cool. Uh, I mentioned earlier, I think Serena Deeb is a terrific talent and she deserves the accolade. Uh, so congratulations to her for that. And then a fantastic match to close the show with Kenny Omega and, uh, and Ray Phoenix. That was great. Also, I will say Omega having the AAA championship. I'm sorry. The match was, uh, Omega and Pentagon Jr. But... Having Omega with the AAA championship, the title that he won against Ray Phoenix, was a really nice touch. I really like that. AEW needs to do more of just great wrestling matches because they actually produce some really good wrestling matches. Just not that other stupid crap because they're really terrible at the out of the ring stuff. And that's the thoughts of Derrico for this week. Uh, my final thought is, as always, ladies and gentlemen. Within one week, we may be facing one of the most important elections in the history of our country. Go out there, do your part, whatever side of the fence that you're on, make your voice heard. Vote, vote, vote. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.